Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we roll on with our season previews. We got a new guest tonight. We do. We're on to Louisville. Mark Ennis of The Drive on 93.9 The Bill is joining us. Mark, first time on the show. Welcome. I love that it's a basketball conference. It's so great. Football (laughs) podcast in the basketball conference. It's so great. Thank you, guys. I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm mostly just glad that you get it because oh, totally. I, I live in you know total honesty here. Like I live in Texas and I tell people I host this podcast and what it's called. And I get a lot of funny looks. They do not get it. At an ACC country. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, Mark, thank you for, for joining us here. Welcome to the show. As, as Mike said, uh, looking forward to talking about Louisville here tonight in, in 2021 and I, to start out with, we, with a lot of these programs, we kind of talk about kind of quote unquote, the state of the program, but gosh, Louisville is, is just in an interesting spot here. It feels like, and it's, I mean, it's been a hell of a roller coaster going back to what, like 2016. I mean, you have Lamar win the Heisman all the way to bottoming out in 2018 under Petrino and then the upswing in 2019 under Satterfield's first year. And then last year where the record probably looked a little bit worse than it realistically was. And then at the very end of the season, Satterfield is like job hunting. And that turned into a a little bit of a mini crisis. Like just in general, like where, where are we at with this, with this coaching staff and the program? Like, how are we feeling about things in Louisville right now? Well, I mean, you didn't exaggerate any of that. Uh, It's the nature of the Louisville job since 1965. They've had one coach stay longer than five years. Like they just, It's it's the if you look at it, it's the complete opposite of basketball, where you had basically two Hall of Famers back to back over a 40 something year period. And Louisville can't get one football coach to stay five years. Uh, And it's people have been dying for that. I think the real jarring nature of last year was the feeling like he left App State. You know, it was his alma mater. It's the only place he'd really ever been and only ever been a head coach. Surely he left intentionally for this place. And then after, you know, after two years was was involved in the South Carolina search, I think I've kind of come to see. I don't really know how much Scott really wanted that job, but I think he was kind of naive. Uh, and I, I mean, I remember having a conversation with him where he's like, I thought I was going to that meeting at the kind of the prodding of my agent, Jimmy Sexton. And I think Scott's a terrible Jimmy Sexton client. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I thought I was going to this meeting for them to sell me on the job. And now here it's come out and but you, you interviewed for the South Carolina job. And we're mad at you. Uh, and it's it was it seemed very unnecessary. Uh, and it really, I think, unfortunately for him, it burned up what was as high of an, like an approval rating as a first year guys had in a long time, because not only did they go from two and ten you know, to eight and five. 
but they they did it in a way that people love like he was a lot nicer they you know he was uh, he is a pr uh, dream and just in terms of some of the aw shucks and it's just the complete opposite of Petrino and to have just kind of spent it all on the heels of a year where I was like okay we're used to this around here but not after two years and not when you got worse uh, and now I think he's in this weird position uh, where I think people don't think he's a bad coach but now like normally winning cures everything but for him now winning would just make people more suspicious uh, <laughs> You know, because then they'll be back on people's radars and it'll make sense. So, I mean, his only out, his only out really is to just not leave. I mean, there's no way to fast forward through it. You can't, you know, he's got to have off seasons now if he wants to sell people on this. Uh, well, they've got to keep winning, but then he's got to have off seasons where we don't hear about him. And that's sort of what people are just going to hold their breath until they get it. Yeah. When, when Jeff Brom didn't take the job a few years ago and they hired Satterfield. I told Joey, I was like, I think this is a pretty good hire for Louisville. And he comes in and they had that opener against Notre Dame. And, you know, they actually looked functional after that two and 10 season and looked competitive for a half against a good Notre Dame team. And then had a really good season after that. I'm thinking, all right, Louisville is kind of maybe a, they weren't as bad as, you know, everybody thought they were in the last year of Petrino, but this is definitely the right coach for them. And they actually had a home run type hire after, and I hate that term. It's so over-exaggerated, but they, they had, you know, they hit the hire that they needed to hit after missing on Jeff Brom. And then last year happens. And then the weird off season, I don't want to call it a coaching search, but he's just like kind of going around, just kind of soliciting. It seemed like he was soliciting jobs a little bit. It's like, Mm -hmm. why, why would you do that? Well, I think the, the fact that that's like your first reaction is what the way a lot of fans looked at it, that this like this was unnecessary. Right. You know, like this is an unforced error, uh, especially, you know, when Bobby Petrino kind of hoard out for jobs the first time he was here, it was LSU, you know. Right. It, it was Auburn. You right. know, it wasn't South Carolina. Like it just it, none of it really seemed to make a lot of sense. And that's to me, honestly, it's the reason why I believe him when he's like, Actually, I was kind of a rube for my agent. I, I shouldn't have done that. Like that actually makes the most sense out of it. But I think they look at it and they're like, please just forget about that. We're the guys that went eight and five in the first year. And it, it just you can't do that. It, mm-hmm. This happened. Uh, but I don't I don't think uh, you can add to it, by the way. Uh, a couple of assistant coaches, you know, leaving in the offseason. Now, all of them. I mean, Dwayne Ledford almost got the Marshall job, and then now he's an he's an offensive line coach in the NFL. Like, no one can blame any of the right. uh, Shadon Brown became a co-defensive coordinator. Like, they were moves, but when you put it all together, it was like people are trying to get out of here. They know he's trying to get out of here, and and unfortunately, it wasn't what was happening. Uh, and he's got to handle it better next time. That's yep. his problem, not ours. Yeah, it largely ends up being a, a, a PR mess. And and like you said, I was I was confused because like, is South Carolina realistically a better job than Louisville? Like. It feels lateral, if anything, to me. It's a tough job. Yeah, exactly. Mark, let's talk a little bit about Louisville coming into this fall in particular. And, I mean, for for a team and a program and a coaching staff that's really looking to have a bounce-back year, offensively, it's a it's a bit of a tough situation having lost your three, you know, three of your biggest producers last year in JV and Hawkins, Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick. On the other hand, you bring back – Malik Cunningham we're going with Malik Mm -hmm. okay Malik Cunningham (laughs) comes back he's a third year starter he's a guy who's really flashed and had some really great games in the past but last year turnovers in particular were a pretty big deal 
is there any question about whether that job is in in jeopardy with with Cunningham or or is it his to lose at this point? I mean, it's it's definitely his, which is interesting because I think they would have liked for this offseason for him to be pushed, you know, uh, by Christian McCaffrey, who was going to transfer in from from Nebraska. I think they were going to give him a chance. Uh, But I will say, I think to Malik's credit, and he is kind of permanently Malik, just so just so we know. Uh, I think that he, in the offseason, I think sort of recommitted himself in such a way that by the time Christian McCaffrey got here, he didn't think he could win the job. Luke McCaffrey. And so, yeah, Christian McCaffrey that was coming from Nebraska. Luke, uh, Luke McCaffrey. He was here for like a week and then went to uh, went to Rice, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's wild. But, uh, you know, I think Malik's first year was kind of magical. and You know, he was like – one pass shy of qualifying for finishing second in the nation in pass efficiency. It was wild how efficient he was. And then I think last year he spent a lot of time doing a little bit too much and had incredibly ill-timed crushing fumbles. Like I swear to you, some fumbles are just a whole lot worse than others. And he had a lot of those. And then in the, in David Hale's pointed this out a bunch of times now, it's hard to find a team that played seven games that were within one score going into the fourth quarter and you lose six. Uh, and most of them in almost exactly the same kind of crippling fashion. So they probably weren't as bad as it looked record-wise by the end of last year. Uh, but you're not guaranteed good luck in that regard, and they lost those games. I mean, what do you think the um, – and, and I'm looking at this offense, and certainly there's still there's still talent. Satterfield has recruited well enough in his first couple of years. There's certainly talent. It seems like it's a it's a tough ask of Cunningham, though given what he's lost on offense, who are some guys to kind of watch out for on that side of the ball, both in the pass catching roles. And of course at running back where Hawkins was just a really good player for Louisville. It's a tough guy to replace the backfield. Yeah. I think the good news for Louisville is they got a little bit of a dry run. Uh, the last couple of games of the year, once Tutu Atwell got hurt against Boston college and yep. he was done, uh, they really began to kind of experiment, you know, a wide receiver and played Syracuse played wake forest in that finale. That wake forest game is, they should do a 30 for 30 on who had to play in that game for both teams. I mean, there were two games this year. This is just a total aside. Scott, uh, when they played Virginia Tech, they found out the morning of the game, didn't, the whole defensive line was out. Yeah. And he was like, we called guys at home that had not dressed all year. Come to the game. You have to play. <laughs> and, and they end up losing that game by a touchdown. Wake Forest, the same thing. They find out on Thursday, like half the offensive line's out, and they have a freshman. They're like, you're the center this week and you're starting. And he's like, I haven't practiced center this year. I've never practiced center. Yeah. Uh, and they did that at wide receiver and a couple other spots. Uh, I think they, there are positions where I think they're not sure who the people are uh, or, they're, or they're not sure if they have them. I think safety after, after the starters, they'll worry if there's people there. I think wide receiver, it's a little different. I think they, they feel like they've got people. They just don't know who it will be that kind of emerges once the game starts. And truth is, Nobody knew Tutu Atwell was that when Scott got here. He was a Brad, good – and I think Scott's – the number one thing I think he's shown is uh, some flexibility. You know, he is not an air-it-out guy, but he inherited a team that could run behind Makai Becton and air it out, and that's what they did. And so I I think you'll see him be flexible like that this year. Uh, but I think the skill positions, the running backs are in a lot better spot than wide receivers until we find out who – uh, shows up. So Jalen Mitchell was awesome against Wake Forest and Syracuse kind of down the stretch after uh, Javion Hawkins opted out. And I think he's going to be the next guy that carries the ball 20 something times a game. And I think they'll supplement around him, but 
he will step into Hawkins' role. He is not as fast as Javion Hawkins. He is not, but he is a he's a battering ram. He's a very strong, uh, good at this scheme. And then the, I think one of the things you'll see them try to do this year to kind of offset the wide receivers being so raw, they're going to throw. I think they're going to throw to the backs way more than they ever did. You know, his first couple of years, they've got real burners at, at running back. Uh, and I think they're going to try to use that throwing the ball too. Mark, as a, a quick little aside here, while we're talking about having guys but not really sure who's going to break out, I feel like since Satterfield's been in place at Louisville, the recruiting has not been like lighting the world on fire kind of thing. Yep. And and I don't think you hire Scott Satterfield because he's going to recruit lights out. You hire him because he's a great scheme guy, he's a great program builder, those kinds of things. Is there any concern about the level of recruiting that's happened there, or or does it seem like it's sufficient for where this program wants to go? No, I, I think there's there's definitely concern uh, in that. Like everyone, I think most people understand Louisville's always going to have uh, guys that are the coaches just asking you, kind of trust me on this guy, you know. Like and and Scott's obviously I think an extremely good evaluator for some of the people that you know become uh, great under him. They're complete nobodies, you know, out of uh, high school and stuff. But your whole class can't be like that. And, and I think that's the thing. Is like there, I think there are maybe more what, what look like reaches or more like, hey, just trust me on this one. There are more of those uh, than I think people are comfortable with. And I think the biggest problem for Scott is quarterback recruiting. You know, to lose uh, Chubba Purdy the, you know, on signing day that first year and just kind of look like you got big time by Florida State, that stung. Uh, and then the other quarterback in that class transferred out after one year. Uh, and they've uh, Christian McCaffrey showed up and left. Uh, and so they really haven't replaced Malik Cunningham yet uh, for whoever will be kind of the guy in the future. And so I think generally maybe, yes, I think there are some concerns, but he's also shown his evaluative skills with some guys. Uh, and then at quarterback, it's until like Louisville's history, they punch so far above their own weight at quarterback, like for, for decades with the Brahms and Redmond and, and LaFours and, uh, Browning, Nagel, Teddy, Lamar, like it's what they do. And Scott hasn't done well at quarterback there, and it's kind of weird to watch that happen. Offensive line's returning a bunch, and they get Brian Hudson from Virginia Tech, which um, I'm a Tech alum. Brian Hudson's a good player. You're getting a really good offensive lineman there. Um, this offensive line, I mean, you know, we talk about playmakers and, you know, who's going to produce on the outside and stuff like that, but Cunningham's going to have time to throw. There are going to be holes opened up in the running game. I mean, I, I feel like Louisville fans got to be pretty happy with the state of the offensive line. Yeah, that's been of all the places like this is the inverse of quarterback. Like from the day they arrived, he said, we need to have 15 linemen. We, we have five like the first, you know, his first spring. He's <laughs> like, we've got five. Uh, and by the time the fall got here, they had seven. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it was like that. Well, now I think they feel like they've got about 12. You know, and, and depth, good depth. Brian Hudson coming in, they're bringing back some super seniors. Uh, and the guy that's on Feldman's uh, freak list, I thought he would, would play more last year. They love Trevor Reeves, a junior college tackle that they brought in last year, uh, is this hilariously athletic guy. He's up to 310 now. And every, like, I always like to ask defensive guys, like, who do you kind of hate in practice? Who do you, you know, who stands out? And it's more and more you hear about him. Uh, it should be the strength of the team. Uh, and the strength of the offense in particular uh, this year. And, and they made a change there, you know, that with Ledford leaving for the NFL, but they have loved Jack McNally who came from Auburn, the offensive line coach, uh, kind of an older school guy, but they seem to respond positively. I think they're going to be downright good this year. And I think they're going to need it. 
yeah, the offense can only be so bad if you have decent quarterback playing a really good offensive line. Well, if you had Scott, like if you have one area where you don't have guys or you have big questions, he'd probably set it up just like this. Yep. Give me give me an experienced quarterback. Give me some deep running backs and give me an offensive line and I'll make the receivers over. Figure it out. We do. And yep. yeah. And I think yep. that's what he's got. Yep. I, I remember those first couple games watching some of the ways that he was getting Tutu Atwell open and just yeah. noticing like he, he knows what he's doing with his personnel. He figures it out pretty quickly. Yeah, he's been flexible. You know, I think there are his scheme overall. We're going to run inside outside zone and we're going to run every imaginable fake kind of off of it to where you never really know. I don't, there is not a Tutu Atwell guy uh, on this roster in terms of like open field, make people miss that sort of thing. But they do love Tyler Harrell. Uh, he's kind of waited his time, but he's, I mean, he's a legit 4 2 guy. He's like a, you know, all state kind of track guy. He's, extremely fast straight ahead. And I think they'll try to come up with some of that side to side stuff from other people. Uh, but that, like, that's the deep guy to watch for this year. Mark, I'm interested to talk about the defense here because there were a couple of guys over on that side of the ball that were real mainstays uh, guys like Dorian Etheridge, Rajay Burns, who'd been there for a long time that are no longer going to be there. And it's, it's been weird because I remember Scott Satterfield coming over and bringing Brian Brown with him, and they had had good defenses at App State for quite a while, and yet, especially last year, they struggled. And and like you said, I mean, there were plenty of games with COVID and, and this, that, and the other where you know you're missing guys unexpectedly, last minute, all that. But I, I, even even missing some of these guys that have been there for a while, I I almost kind of expect the defense to take a jump. It's like you can't play for Brian Brown for all that long without getting a lot better, in my mind. No, I listen. I think that he kind of gave away uh, at Sunday when they reported the camp and had the first practice and everything. He said, "We finally have enough guys, uh, and we finally have enough familiarity to where we get to do everything now." You know, I think so. Louisville had to be a little more basic uh, than he wanted to be, uh, and they've been they've been sound, but they certainly haven't been extravagant. They haven't forced a lot of turnovers. They haven't pressured the quarterback much, but they've gotten. Over two years, uh, David Hale tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago. But like on drives, fire funny on drives that that didn't come from a turnover. So drives where either Louisville had to punt uh, or Louisville kicked off, they were 41st in, to, in like defensive efficiency last year, and that that's a miracle compared to what they walked into. Right. And the problem for Louisville was the least opportune turnovers by its own offense, you know, imaginable uh, a year ago. But they had their moments. Miami was like the pants. You got caught with your pants down. Like it was an atrocious game, and one basically one safety little just kept messing up everything. Uh, and after that, it was like they, they sort of got the message, you know, held Notre Dame to 12. Like they defended a whole lot better, really, the rest of the year when they were close to healthy. And now I think they feel like they've got some areas where they've got a lot more bodies than they ever used to, and some areas where they just feel really good. And so even though, you know, like Dorian Etheridge is out. Monty Montgomery and C.J. Avery, like they are elated about middle linebacker. They think they're going to be great. I think at corner, they're going to be great. Uh, and the question will be, can they finally let that last pieces? You know, Scott had incredibly good defensive lines at App State, and it was all guys that were like 6'3", 245, and they, but they were relentless pass rushers. Th those guys haven't emerged here. Uh, and it's made Louisville be a lot more conservative, I think, than, than they'd like to be. But I think they think they have them this year. We just don't know. We haven't seen it yet. Kind of a two-pronged question here, you know, talking about the defensive line. So the defense as a whole gave up almost 180 yards per game on the ground last year. Um, 
And then I, I look at kind of the, the passing down situation. So Louisville's sack rate on standard downs, first down, second and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, was 8%, which was 12th in the FBS. Their sack rate on passing downs, though, was 103rd in the FBS at 5.4%. What do you attribute that to? That's, that's just kind of a very weird split for me. I completely agree uh, with that. Uh, but it, it's 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 the single biggest issue with this defense because not only did they not get pressure, they I think they felt the need to be awfully basic defensively uh, because of the secondary. And so they don't have great natural pass rushers. Then they really can't do the things where you sort of generate pressure by what you do instead of who it is. Uh, and teams, I mean, it was infuriating at times to just watch teams. It was third and eight. Like I thought they were going to get it. Yeah. Like, you know, just because Louisville had to be so basic. And I think Brian Brown I cannot wait. He's like, they love the starting four, five or so in the defensive backfield. And they think that they're going to be free to blitz way more uh, than they have either of his first two years. And if so, maybe some of that will go away. But I mean, I'm not shocked by any of those stats. That is exactly what it looked like over and over again last year. Mike, I'm going to move on to the schedule here. Stop me if, uh, if you've got anything else before we do that. You're good, man. Mark, I, I'm, I'm curious looking at this schedule, you know, just from a high level, I generally feel like Louisville is one of the quote unquote wild cards or, or high variance teams that this could end up in a, a lot of very different places this year. And I think honestly, one of the, one of the least opportune parts of the schedule is late after the Clemson game, you've got probably your, probably your two biggest layups in conference in Syracuse and Duke. But I question, you know, if, if things haven't gone well up until then, where, you know, where do the players find their mindset at is, and, and really where my question is going here is, is there a chance with kind of what happened at the end of last season, Satterfield job search and that kind of thing, is there a chance that this ends up with Satterfield gone like late in the season before they even get a chance to have a couple of those layups late season? I'd be, I'd be shocked. You know, if it, the morale part of it, doesn't it seems to be like not an issue in fact at acc football kickoff like the players kept saying like around the facility and in the offseason and stuff like it it feels like two years ago so I, like when when things were started to go south in 2018 like i knew bobby was getting fired and the right. players and like their moms and dads would start like dming me and be like this guy you know like i knew everything was rotten and it was going to fall apart and it did and this is not it doesn't feel like that it doesn't seem like that but I do think you're right. The, the first three games of Eastern Kentucky in between Ole Miss and UCF, those are not – none of those – well, Eastern the, – the two FBS games will be difficult. I think one and two to start the season uh, would be difficult to sort of maintain some positive momentum. I feel like it's, in, it's critical they go two and one uh, to start the season. And I, th I think that means beating UCF because I think Ole Miss is just going to be – incredibly fun and and put up a bazillion points Lane Kiffin sort of in the zone right now yeah I was gonna say the total in that Ole Miss game might be like 80. <laughs> oh the, so he says last year they didn't play defense and they're starting safety like ch just transferred out like it's a great game to have to break in a bunch of new players because they're not any good either yeah sorry Joey no I was just gonna say I, I don't know what the spread is in that game but I can't wait to bet the over and it doesn't matter yeah. what, the, what it'll yeah be. <laughs> doesn't matter doesn't matter hammer in the over you know you'll you will kind of enjoy this though Brian Brown came on the show couple weeks ago and I asked him I was like you know Nick Saban just said basically like you can't stop people anymore anyway 
uh, and, and everyone knows Link Givens' offense is going to be really good. I was like, do you feel kind of free? Just like, go for what – like, we can do whatever we want. I'm going to score anyway. Like, maybe we can just – you know, back away. He's like, yeah, we actually do. He's like, we can be kind of exotic as we want because the expectation, they're really good. They, they scored 50 something points on Alabama last year. Yeah, like they, that was crazy. He's like, it's going to be like that. Let's just see if we can get as wild as we want to be and see if we, maybe we can come up with something that just sort of jams all the gears. And he said, he's looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. Just playing with house money. There you go. Yeah. I, you know, and that's kind of the funny thing looking at this whole schedule is like, Let's just be real here. There's only one game on here that I see that's really not particularly winnable, and that's yep. Clemson. That's the game that's not particularly winnable for anybody they play, um, except maybe week one. But other than that, I mean, I see 11 games that at worst are a toss-up. And and so, again, that kind of goes with that theme of you know high variance, kind of a wild-card team is that this could end up in a lot of different places. I, I mean, I could realistically see anything between, I don't know, I'm not going to go all the way down to three and nine, but we'll say four and eight and like nine and three, yeah. depending on how well they bounced back from last year. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's what last year was. In fact, that's the kind of the study of his first two years. You go from eight and five to four and seven. Uh, and it's, and the only thing that really changed was how often you turn the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, like we had Chris Cotter on the show that like we, he said, basically like Clemson looks like a loss and every other game is like 40% win probability to, 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 60% win probability. And it's basically just like, who's going to sort of, you know, and I think that that's true of NC state. I think it's true of uh, Boston college. Uh, I think it's true of Virginia. Like, I think it's a bunch of teams in this league that are just solidly sort of in the middle and every game is just going to be the most marginal of things uh, until somebody starts to pull away. And I don't, I don't think that's happening this year. Yeah. Joey and I have done these season previews and I feel like I've said seven and five for like every team we've previewed. <laughs> well, it's like, like the whole conference is the coastal. Yeah. It's, it's a total mess. Um, Go ACC. And, yeah. And I'm looking at this schedule, and I, I feel like there's – Joey, and, and tell me if you disagree, I feel like there's now a running theme where we go from, like, middle of September to, like, second weekend in October, and I feel like that's the pivotal part of almost every ACC team's schedule this year. I'm, I'm looking at this. Like you mentioned, that UCF game, first-year head coach situation, probably the more winnable of those two early FBS non-conference games. Um, at Florida State, at Wake, home against Virginia right after that, that's going to really determine the course of Louisville's season, I think. That, that's a really important three-game conference stretch, I think, Mark. Oh, I think, I think you're 100% right. Uh, and, and I think maintaining uh, – I mean, they beat the hell out of Florida State a year ago. Yeah. Uh, but Florida State is definitely you know, still recruiting much better than them. I think sort of staying on top of them while you can uh, is important for Louisville. Uh, and that again, that early season, I don't know how, like, I don't know the goodwill if they start poorly and then sort of run off a bunch of wins that, that people don't really care too much. Right. About. And the good news for Scott is the Kentucky game, like, they got to play well in that one. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's a different animal. No, I think the three games after that opening stretch are where everything happens. And again, if they start well, I mean, they could be a nine win team. And yeah. it's really, as much of a reflection on the other opponents as it is any kind of sort of radical improvement, you know, on their part. Mark, I'm curious to hear your take on the, like the criticality of the Kentucky game at this point, you know, they've, they've lost three out of four to, to Kentucky. And I know there are, there are certain jobs out there that like really hone in on one opponent. I'm a Georgia tech alumnus up until recently when, you know, Georgia has just become this astronomical unbeatable thing. Like, 
there was a lot of, you know, job success that was related to can you beat Georgia or not? It, is it that kind of that same way with Louisville, Kentucky, or is it a little bit less intense than that, would you say? Oh, no, I, I think it's way up there, uh, especially in Louisville. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the city that I can't I don't know that there are very many other cities, if any, that I can think of where the the, the main city of one team is also the by far the biggest city in the state. It's the economic engine of the state and tons and tons of Kentucky grads move here to where Louisville is an enormous city. And it's like 70, 30 Louisville here. So everyone knows Kentucky fans. Everyone has family from out in the States, a Kentucky fan. You guy next to you at work is a Kentucky fan. You know, people that you park next to while you get gas, one's a Kentucky fan and they're everywhere. And so it's, it's a daily thing. Uh, and, and here, I don't know about Georgia Tech, Georgia, but here, like, there's still this whole, uh, there's an ethos of, like, Louisville is kind of an upstart, even though they've been at this for so long. Uh, they're kind of an upstart. They're interlopers. Like, eventually, this Louisville thing will go away. You know, they didn't, they didn't want to play and didn't play in basketball till the 80s because Kentucky didn't want to, like, dignify Louisville. And that is the real life. Like, the, that's the ethos of the rivalry there is, like, you're not real. We're the team in charge of the entire state, even though Louisville's won three national championships in basketball and is really beating their asses in football far more often than than reverse uh, without, you know, 80 years of SEC head start. Uh, but that's that to me is like the driving thing is like, why are you even here? You shouldn't be here. I like that SEC comment. Drive the knife in there, Mark. I like no, that. They've had a big head start and not much to show for it. I can't disagree. Um, Joey, what do you think? What are we thinking here? Uh, this is where I probably say seven and five, right? Um, I know. I don't know. I, I have a weird feel. I kind of want to go eight and four. Yeah. Like we've... again, and and we talked about this earlier as we were talking about Wake Forest. Is this is where I, I look at the roster versus what they're playing, and it it averages out to maybe six and six, seven and five. But then th- th- I just know that this coaching staff has a number of guys that I trust and I believe in, and I, it's like that's what causes me to upgrade them a win. And it probably doesn't hurt that like Louisville's my second favorite team. So like hmm. at that point, you know, maybe I'm a little bit rose, you know, rose colored glasses. But yeah, let's go, let's go eight and four here. I think they bounce back, and and I think the the pendulum swings back a little bit after some bad turnover luck last year. And yeah, I think it's a pretty pretty solid year back for Louisville. Oh man, you're not on board with that, are you? Well, I'm. I don't want to say I'm not on board with it. I I. I can absolutely see it. That's that's the problem with this conference. I, I can see it. <laughs> like I can absolutely see it. Um, I think I'm going seven and five. And again, I think there's uh, Joey. I agree with you. And and Mark, you mentioned it as well. I think there's nine win variability here. I think there's. I it would be hard for me to imagine them losing or um, winning less than four games. Um, but I think it's like a anywhere from four to nine. I think, yeah. <laughs> no dealer's choice. <laughs> I'm gonna go seven and five. I feel like that with most of the conference. I'm gonna stick with it here. I, I think it's a bounce back here for Satterfield. I, I am, I am with that sentiment. I don't think it's gonna bottom out as as bad as some national folks think it is. Um, Satterfield's a good coach. Year one was very very good, and I was really impressed by that. And last year, I'm willing to write off as just a weird year in general. Again, off the field, taking interviews and stuff like that. You did that to yourself. You shot yourself in the foot. 
but on the field, I, I'm willing to give this staff a pass because I, I, you know, they exceed expectations in year one. They regress to the mean a little bit in a really weird COVID year in year two. Um, when, you know, guy, you don't know who's healthy when, and you're, you know, you're, Mark, like you mentioned, you know, they're calling offensive linemen. Hey, you got to suit up. You never played this position before. Too bad you're starting. Um, it was a weird year. So I'm willing to give him a pass. I'm going to say seven and five, and I could absolutely see it being better than that. But I just don't really have a pulse on like the middle part of this conference. It's going to be very, very weird. Yep. Yeah. I'll, uh, I, I'm going to, I picked them third in the Atlantic. Uh, it's reasonable. Uh, and I was prepared for them to go be anywhere from third to sixth, you know. Uh, I think they're going to go eight and four. I think they're going to they'll lose to Ole Miss. I think they're going to lose to Clemson. I think they're going to lose to Kentucky. And then there'll be a game where they don't fall. You know, Florida State on the road, maybe. Virginia on the road, maybe. Uh, Virginia always plays the maddeningly close. They've all been close yeah. games uh, in both directions. So uh, I think they'll lose, the, you know, four. Uh, and it just it won't – I mean, they outgained four teams they beat or they lost to a year ago, excuse me. Like it just doesn't, it won't take much for er, literally all of those uh, to be wins this year. Uh, and, and then I think, I think they'll go eight and four. And then I think it's really up to Scott to make hay with that. Yeah. You know, the quiet off season, a good, uh, it's going to be a super small recruiting class just because they have so many of the super seniors and stuff. Uh, but another good year in the transfer portal, stuff like that. And then I, I think people will be calm and things will be sort of resettled and, and the middle year will look like the outlier. Uh, anything less than that, I think there'll be another offseason of kind of debate, but it would still be an improvement. I love it. Mike, I think that's all I got from Mark. Anything else? Yeah, I think so, too. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. Your your debut, the inaugural <laughs> podcast with us. We appreciate you jumping on. Happy to. Happy to. Anytime, guys. Yeah. Well, we look forward to having you on sometime again soon. Again, this has been great. So thank you so much. And, uh, and you know, again, look forward to having you on again sometime soon. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. All right, Mike, that was Mark Ennis once again of 93.9 The Ville in Louisville. And Mark, by the way, this is also the part where I usually say, would you like to tell the people where to find your stuff real quick? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Mark Ennis uh, and uh, 93.9theville.com is the website. You can listen to catch podcasts of uh, the show there uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. So appreciate it, guys. The Drive from 3 to 6, 93.9 The Ville. Go check him out. Uh, Mike, now that's all I've got. We're going to get out of here. We're going to go preview some more teams. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SOS. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, he is at Mark Ennis, all one word on Twitter. Go follow him for all sorts of great Louisville content and beyond. Uh, all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all sorts of good places. Please hit that subscribe button, hit the, the follow button, all those things that YouTubers tell you to do. We appreciate that as well. Uh, Mike, you want to tell them real quick where they can find us on the social medias? Yes, sir. Facebook, basketball, or, sorry, <laughs> Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Uh, find all of our podcasts there. Instagram is where I was at. And that's where my mind was at. <laughs> Instagram at BC podcast, ACC, Joey. We're almost done with these previews. I promise <sighs> we're getting there. Uh, finally, you can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. We finally, we nailed that part. There we go. We got it right this time. Uh, Mike, I think that's all I got. You want to come back and keep previewing some teams? Only a few more left, Joey. Only a few more. We're almost there. All right. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Mark Ennis, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.